You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Have you noticed that many people in our culture love to be scared? They enjoy horror movies and bungee jumping and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, there's a lot more of us that don't like to be scared. In fact, we live with this constant state of anxiety or a low-grade fear. Many are afraid of sickness or poverty or death, being judged, snakes, uh, lose a friend, lose your spouse, spiders, being fired at work, being afraid of heights, cancer, COVID. Uh, A little while ago, a lady was struggling to walk in our lobby. I thought I could help and didn't know what what was going on or whatever. And what was going on was she was trying to change her life those days and she needed to have an encounter with God, but she was so afraid that she she said, I think God's going to strike me dead. Wow. This COVID deal has many of us as Christians either on the rung or paralyzed by fear. I include myself as one of the many who are struggling these days against anxiety and fear. The truth is, like many, I am struggling and I don't quite understand what's going on in my soul. Today, I believe that God wants us to decide to become people of faith, not a people terrorized by fear. And I'm not talking at all about the need to be courageous, but I'm calling us to be a people of faith. The opposite of fear is not courage, it's faith. So let's start with Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God says, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, we invite you here. We open our lives. We want to learn from you and may the peace of God rule in Jesus' name, amen. Today, we need to learn about how fear can bolster our faith. Fear can also destroy our faith if we choose to allow fear to dominate in our lives. So first, we need to agree on distinguishing between good fear and bad fear. Not all fear is bad. In fact, there's some good fear that keeps, helps us survive and respect things that, that hurt us. Bad fear puzzles us and at times paralyzes us from doing anything that we ought to do. It is fear that I see as the number one problem that keeps many Christians from choosing to trust God and believe in Him. We need to choose between faith and fear. Huge illustration that many people have is that it's just like these nasty circumstances that we find ourselves in. That often paralyzes us to be afraid. Most of us believe that faith and fear is not our choice. It just comes upon us. Well, God disagrees with that and says that we always have a choice between fear and faith. One of the many examples I think of is in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, where 12 spies of Israel went out to a trip to see what is really going on in this holy land that God wants to give us. The people of Israel left slavery in Egypt, and now God was giving them a new land, a new possession, and they kind of wanted to see what it was about before they sent all the people in. But these 12 spies went into the land. 10 of them came back saying, can't claim it for God. People are too strong, yada, yada, yada. They're big, we can't do it. There were only two spies that says, you know what? With God's help, we can do this. All 12 of those spies faced the same circumstances, in the same situations, in the same trip, facing the same enemies. The failure of these 10 men were the chicken ones and faithless one that wrongly declared that God cannot help us. I also think of 1 Samuel chapter 17, David, who was king, a teenager then, 
brought some supplies to his brothers who were all lined up with the other army. And there was a guy named Goliath. You know, probably know this story. David was a teenager and brought supplies to his brothers. And uh, when they were lined up against this guy called Goliath, nine foot six, it paralyzed them by fear because Goliath was mocking God and mocking Israel day after day. It was David, a, a common shepherd, a teenager, that said, I'll stand up to him. And all he had was a slingshot and five smooth stones, but God was on his side. It was the same location, same enemy, same everything, but David believed in God. King David and all the men of Israel did not believe in God. They bowed to Goliath. David waited for God to help him. And in time, what an amazing thing happened. David learned not to run away from his fear. There are many more examples in the Bible which shows people facing the exact same situations but responding differently because they chose to see this in faith and trust God. The key there is that faith-filled perspective that we have as Christians, we are the children of the Most High God and faith should always be our choice. Here's a modern example of how perspective is so important. This letter was written by a young freshman girl to her parents just after starting college. Dear mom and dad, I have so much to tell you because of all the fires in the campus set off by the recent student rioting. I experienced some temporary lung damage, so I went to the hospital. While I was there, I felt I fell hopelessly in love with an orderly and we've moved in together. I've dropped out of college and when I found out I was pregnant and he got fired from his hospital job because of his drinking problem. So we're going to Alaska and maybe we'll get married there after the baby is born. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of this above really happened. But I did flunk my last chemistry exam and I just want you to know, keep that in perspective. Fear comes from a godless perspective where we don't believe God is involved or willing or able to help us. Do not be afraid is a commandment we live by as Christians. Over 300 times in the Bible, God says, fear not to his people. God's greatness and goodness and personal commitment to each of us as his children will bolster our faith if we choose that way. The choice before us is that we will do whatever is necessary to rid ourselves of the tyranny of fear and choose to live in faith. Secondly, let's look at the high cost of fear. At least five reasons why we should not live in fear. Number one, fear erodes our self-esteem. Fear eclipses the knowledge that each of us are created by God in God's image, which is to say each of us are loved and protected by God. Some research done by the, Amer the American Psychological Association found that many people, even those who have reasons for very high self-worth, do not feel good about themselves unless they take action to fix a problem whatever that problem may be. When we face a fear-producing situation, if the person faces it and takes action, even if the whole situation doesn't turn out real well, there is a surge of delight and gratification that helps develop personal strength and raises a person's self-esteem. Let me give you a personal illustration on this point. I was about 10 years old and his name was Billy, and he was a hooligan and a bully. Billy was in our school classroom and he rode home with us on the school bus every day. The problem was he'd steal all of our lunches if we didn't eat them. And he sat where he wanted to sit and if you were sitting where he wanted you to sit, you'd move. He made fun of people to their face. Nobody liked Billy. He was scary big to us kids. And he, he had spent the best three years of his life in grade five. One day I got sick of losing my lunch to Billy. I remember that because my mom made me lunch that day and when I looked at Billy, he was scarfing it down. 
I'm not sure if I was thinking right that day, but I thought somebody's got to do something because Billy Bob shouldn't be doing what he's doing. I thought maybe I should. So the next day, Billy reached for my butter tart. Wrong thing to do. I waited all day to eat that puppy. I yelled no, and Billy grabbed it. Well, when I woke up, I realized Billy got my butter tart and he punched me right in the schnoz. Now, if you've never been punched in the nose, you don't know how that's about. Your eyes water up, you can't see a thing, and your head is pounding with a headache. All of a sudden, my five friends in the back of the bus all stood up to Billy Boy at the same time. Danny, Raymond, Robert, and even Valerie. They were all stood up against this bully. So what happened? He backed down. In fact, he stopped robbing everybody's lunches forever. Even before my nose stopped bleeding, something inside me said, produce this surge of energy because I stood up to Billy Boy and I lived to tell this story. I did something about the problem rather than just running away in fear. I'd like to pause just for a second and ask you, got a Billy in your life? A child that needs to be confronted? A spouse, a boss that's off the rails? Some of us need to face our fear and stop running, whatever that fear may be. Many of us face a Billy in our life. If you face your Billy, it will not be easy. But when you are done, you'll feel great about yourself. The second reason why we should not live in fear is that fear hinders us from developing our God-given potential. When we live in fear, we try to avoid all risk, which is integral for psychological health. No risk, no growth. A friend of mine long ago who had all the potential in the world, I thought, gifts, intelligent education, had it all. He was in a dead-end job. Fear had gripped him, so he didn't want to lose or do something wrong, and so he let his dream job go over and over, never made himself available. He was afraid of failure. He actually called it being stuck in the waiting room of life. The third reason why we should not live in fear is that fear robs us of our God-given joy. Fear-filled people are often overwhelmed, and in the place of joy, there's this constant anxiety. Most worriers are actually the most intelligent and highly creative people on earth, but they seem to have a great gift to always want to see things. What's the danger and the negative possibilities of the situation? The term they use is what if, and when their mind keeps going over and over and over, the possibility of that problem just grows and grows and grows. What if? Most of us do this at least one time in our life. I was surprised that Diane did this once. It was in the days of my, my being um, a youth pastor and I was trying to help some people out. And uh, No cell phone because that was only for the wealthy back then. I was dealing with a difficult situation and I didn't tell her it was going to take a long time and it went into the night, actually over midnight. When I finally got home, I came home skulking into our bedroom at the, about midnight and, and uh, Diane said to me, well, I hope you're happy. I've got your planning for the funeral done. Fear robs us of our God-given joy. The fourth reason why we really should not live in fear is that fear eventually leads us to regret. Have you noticed that God always calls us people to trust Him? Look at the life of Abraham. What an adventure that was. God called him to leave his hometown and head for a land and a place that he'd never even seen before. And later he was asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac. I think God must have said to Abraham many times, uh, you'll have to trust me on this one, Abe, because it doesn't make sense to you yet. Moses was um, asked to confront the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh of Egypt. 
He was wanted for murder and being the conduit of the ten plagues that hit Egypt, all of them which take a swat at some of the gods of Egypt. I think of Daniel who defiled the king and the leaders of his day by serving uh, God first and was thrown in the lions overnight. I've never found a person in scripture that says, I did trust God and man, was that, was that ever boring? God is calling us to lives of discovery and mystery and to trust God and God alone. With that kind of faith, there is no time or place for fear. The fifth reason why we should not live in fear is that fear contaminates the thinking of our children, our spouses, and our friends. Fear can be a toxic influencer towards others. And as we spend time together with others, we often uh, influence people and or we get swept away by their fearful attitude. For our children's sake and our friends' sake and our spouse's sake, we need to get a grip on these things that leads us to recycling our fears over and over in life. Sadly to say, but truthful, I'm one of those that the last little while has been dealing with fear and creative negativity. So this message is more for me than anybody. Secondly for you, okay, but more for me. I remember as a college grad being asked to be the pastor at uh, Sherwood Park as a youth pastor. At that time, Sherwood Park was this elite, the one of the largest alliance churches in the world, and uh, it was clear out of my league. And this, uh, this fearful rookie found that out quick. The senior, senior pastor, Pastor Thronus, opened the corner door of the sanctuary to show me around, and it looked like the inside of the arena of BC Place. This place looked huge, and to me, it, it seated over 1,700 people, not counting the balcony. I was petrified, so I just closed the door when Pastor Thronus kept walking. All of a sudden, he, he said, yelled at me. He said, where are you going? I said, anywhere but here. You see, I'm that punk from Flaxcomb, Saskatchewan. This is out of my league. He quickly asked me, are you scared? I said, I'm absolutely scared. He said, good. Maybe that way you'll rely on Jesus more because he's big enough to work through and loving enough to work on people from Flaxcomb, Saskatchewan like you. So I became a youth pastor, Short Park. The rest is history, great history in my life, how God has, has protected me and led me over the years. And I trust him to acknowledge the impossible often in my life. He's quite a God. God has at least four messages to tell all of us who are fearful. First, I am with you. Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll hold you up with victorious right hand. Wherever we go, whatever we do, God will strengthen us. He'll help us. He'll uphold us. He'll protect us. I wish we had the time to just sit and watch the scene of the movie called The Bear. It's a story of how a mother bear died and a big grizzly dad adopted this little cub as his own. Daddy bear taught the cub all things that bears are supposed to know about, like eating fish and scratching and all kinds of stuff like that, all kinds of things. But what happened is daddy got lost or separated from the bear as well and uh, enters a lion, mountain lion, and he wants lunch, being the bear, the bear cub. This lion tracked the cub and was ready for lunch, and the tension mounted and, until he was cornered. It was, he, had to, he had to fight or he's gonna die. And so the little cub bear did what he was told by his dad. He went up on his hind legs and swatted a bit, but it was nothing. This, this lion was gonna have him. And all of a sudden, the lion was backing off. And what was going on is you, as the cameras panned off a little bit, 
the daddy bear was standing behind the cub, roaring in the background to scare away the lion. God has said to you and I, I will be with you. You are able to see, you may not be able to see me, or you may not be able to understand me, but I am with you always. Sons and daughters of God, we must realize that nothing will ever separate us from God. Not sickness, not financial ruin, not death itself. Why? Because we live in faith. The second truth that God says to us is that there is nothing we can't handle together with Him. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, God will help us. The Apostle Paul had lost his job, is isolated from his friends, had, had jealous enemies that trashed his reputation. He is arrested and trumped up charges and thrown in jail. And yet in the context of that, he writes, for I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength and the power. Philippians 4.13. God will never ask you and I to do something that he doesn't first equip us to do and give us what we need to accomplish that. Third truth is that God says to us, Choose peace and faith, not fear. We're responsible to choose to, and trust God, not simply to be afraid. John chapter 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, Jesus said, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. What gift? It's the gift of peace from the Prince of Peace himself, Jesus. He gives us peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with others, peace in all circumstances. And how do we receive it? We ask. That's the fourth truth. Seek God. Trust God. Ask God. So, folks, I got a couple of Bible verses. In fact, I got more than a couple of Bible verses that I want to uh, read for you today and for me. Let's allow God's Word to kind of wash over our souls here today. And uh, as there may be a text or two that you want to write down a re reference of and uh, maybe do some more studying or maybe memorize it, I'll leave that with you. Psalm 34.4 says, I prayed to the Lord and He answered me and freed me from all my fears. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Isaiah 41, verse 13 and 14, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Psalm 56, 3, When I was afraid, I put my trust in you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Philippians chapter 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
Romans 8:38. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither fear of today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry all but itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Next week, we're going to talk about Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.